Happy Wednesday, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Better Faster podcast. Today, I am with the one and only Dr. Amy Shelton. What's going on, Amy? It's, you know, we're doing well. Yeah. We're Shelton now. I know. No longer Amy DePelto, Depelto, Depodilidu, whatever, however many vowels you want to add to it. <laughs> yes. Uh, I did think we might get a Zach DePelto out of this, though. You know, that would have been kind of cool. We got to carry on the DePelto name somehow, so. I know. I do. Uh, uh, Amy Sheldon, you probably will not get that as misspelled or mispronounced no. nearly as often. Dr. Shelton sounds pretty good. <laughs> there so. you go. It, yes, yes. Awesome. Um, yeah, this is our first time having you on since uh, since the wedding, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, my yes. gosh. That was such a fun time. I had not spent a whole lot of time in the Chattanooga, Cleveland, kind of Tennessee area. Um, but man, it was beautiful there. It was, it was a lot of fun. That was awesome. We had quite a spot. I think we had like, honestly, like probably like 40 Vertex people yeah. there. That was yeah, between cool. former, you know, patients, clients, uh, students, students yeah. uh, clinicians. I mean, it, it, yeah, they came out in full force. That yeah. was really cool. Yeah. And of course, we had to get a picture of everybody flexing. So that was pretty oh, great. 100%, 100%. That will be hung up in the clinic soon. <laughs> yes, it definitely needs to be. Um, but um, yeah, I am so excited to have you on here because you're doing a whole lot of things now between mm-hmm. coaching and practicing and all that kind of stuff. But we know that uh, one thing that you are kind of the expert in around here is is pelvic floor physical therapy and you had a a, you've had a really kind of cool and unique case uh lately that i thought would be awesome to uh share with the masses just because it is pretty unique so uh, i'll kind of let you set this one one up for us but uh i think that the listeners are going to enjoy this one for sure yeah so um so josh and i were talking about how like it's interesting to obviously specialize in you know one area like pelvic floor but Um, It's a testament to be able to still have a lot of orthopedic knowledge when you're treating patients that have pelvic floor conditions, just because this is a definitely a classic case of like uh, had to bring in that knowledge to be able to treat this patient because she really didn't have as much pelvic floor symptoms as she just, you know, was a kind of a pelvic floor patient, but more so just a postpartum patient that ended up experiencing something that I needed to use my ortho slash maybe neuro brain Mm -hmm. a little bit more for. So, um, just to give you a background on this patient, I've been treating for, for quite a while now, but um, when I started to see her, she was uh, three weeks postpartum. And um, I, I started to see her because she had gotten foot drop postpartum. So to backpedal a little bit, um, she started to experience like full leg numbness um, in that leg during labor. Um, and she said she wasn't really sure why they don't really know why that happened. Uh, but it just happened. And they gave her some type of shot. She said nerve block. We're not really sure if it was, is that or like an epidural? <clears throat> Cause obviously that would be common to have, um, you know, prior to childbirth. But, um, she said even getting that shot, it didn't really even change her symptoms. Like she just continued mm-hmm. to have the leg numbness, but then like immediately postpartum, she started to experience foot drops. So for our listeners that don't know what that is, that's, you know, you, you'll see somebody walk and their foot essentially slaps onto the ground. Um, because they don't have any control on ankle dorsiflexion. So that was definitely the case with her. Um, and crazy that as a new mom, she's, you know, coming into a mm-hmm. clinic, literally like she was holding onto the stroller, walk, walking in, had had an obvious foot drop. So um, I started to, I mean, I definitely did a full on assessment. Like I said, didn't have really much in the way of actual pelvic floor complaints. This was just the main complaint of like, I, you know, I feel like I can't feel my leg and um, and I have foot drop and I, you know, obviously like to be able to walk normally because she has two other kids and still wants to be able to take care of all of them right. being a new mom and then mom of two other children. So, um, so we did, 
just a regular back exam, did a neuro exam, um, and then, you know, obviously found that she definitely had weakness in ankle dorsiflexion. Um, and it, she did have weakness, I believe. Um, it, it seemed more um, myotomal than it did, um, like just full leg num- numbness, full leg um, weakness. So, um, and I'd have to look back at to like know specifically where, but generally speaking, it seemed to be that like there was a little bit more specific pattern to it than just right. like a full leg issue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, so I also did just because I would do this in a, a normal um, back exam, especially if somebody's having radiating symptoms down to the leg, is repeated motions. And so, um, with those those of us that are familiar with the McKenzie testing, a lot of times when I do like repeated extension, um, I'm just going to retest like the myotomes, um, in the leg, especially the ones that were weak to see if they improve or change in strength. And so that did happen. It was very slight, but it did happen with her. And so, um, that's what kind of led my brain to what we ended up doing, at least for some of treatment. So I actually, um, when I started to palpate her back, I got around like somewhere in lower lumbar. And when I would push, um, into like a UPA on that side, it actually elicited some symptoms into the leg which is interesting. Yeah. Um, so like we're thinking like maybe potentially some type of radiculopathy is possible. Anyways, doing that, I was like, you know what, why don't we just try doing some dry needling and see what happens? Yeah. yeah. Cause we know sometimes we stem, um, you know, at least the pathway of a nerve that can help and waken it up. Right. It's just a different, like obviously dry needling is more like very pinpoint specific versus just tens or um, NMES. So Um, so we did that. And, uh, and as soon as I put the needles in, hooked, hooked it up, she was like, um, she's like, this is a weird feeling, but I definitely like feel like I can feel more in my leg Mm -hmm. with this, um, like on. So she was like, I'm game for like trying this and like, and continuing to try it to see what happens. And so I can't obviously like attribute everything to the dry needling, but we did that about one time per week for a good, I would say a good six, maybe eight weeks. Um, and then, you know, the rest of her course of treatment was honestly just trying to get her functionally strong because as a new mom, you have to get functionally strong right, to right. be able to function um, and, you know, help take care of your baby, especially if you're the one, main one taking care of them. So, um, so yeah, I mean, the course of treatment, honestly, I didn't, I don't even recall doing a lot of like lumbar directed exercise. It was more just like trunk strength, functional strength. Stuff, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> working her into squatting and deadlift patterns, um, and then incorporating the dry needling. Um, yeah. and so at this point we are f- like 14 weeks postpartum, I believe. And our strength is not, it's not five out of five. We're probably like a four to a four plus out of five though, okay. which is yeah, crazy. Huge change. Yeah. Especially given like, we know what happens usually if somebody has foot drop and like when she, mm-hmm. I'm not going to lie, when she came in, I was like, I don't know what to expect yeah. out of this. You don't know what the potential is going to yeah. be there. And and she wasn't, she was very surprised. She's like, it's crazy how far I've come. Yeah. I mean, it really is truly crazy. Uh, I, you know, can't say there yeah. was just one thing, but a cool case of like, if you have somebody that ever presents with something like this, like, I can't say that we did even a lot of directed exercise towards like tibialis anterior. We, mm-hmm. I did recommend that she get an AFO. She didn't even end up using that because her strength just continued right. to get better. And, um, she did maybe for like a couple weeks use, uh, an NMES, like a home NMES unit right, on right. her anterior tib. 
But I mean, I've still been doing directed anterior tib exercise with her just because it's not going to hurt anything to get her strong sure. in dorsiflexion. But other than that, it was more so just general strengthening. Yeah, yeah. Oh, um, wow. Um, now were there in, in, during this whole process, like you, like you mentioned, getting back into squatting, getting back into deadlift and those kind of things. Can you talk through some of maybe, um, I know this one didn't end up being as pelvic floor specific, um, but can you talk through some of the more as like, just like a, a more, someone like myself, more of a general clinician, mm-hmm. who's not an expert in pelvic floor related stuff, but I get somebody that is postpartum with some kind of back mm-hmm. related thing. And I want to get them squatting and deadlift thing like the Norley would, what, uh, what kind of considerations there postpartum do I need to make sure I'm taking into account as I go through reintroducing those type of movements? Yeah, no, that's a really good question. Um, <clears throat> honestly, it's not as complicated as you think it would be. So it really just depends on their symptoms that they're presenting with, if they have anything that is like pelvic floor related. So typically that's going to be leaking or incontinence with exercise uh, potentially some like heaviness or dullness in the pelvic floor region, which could be some prolapse type of symptoms or pelvic pain. Those are like the big heavy hitters on that. Um, so if they're having any of those with the exercise, then it's going to have to be modified somehow. And a lot of it is really just like symptom driven. So it's like, all right, well, if you're having leaking with like a full full squat, like with weight on the bar, what happens if we take the weight away? What happens if we have you do a box squat? Like it's just modifying the exercise somehow to see not really any different than what you do with somebody that has pain. It's just more so like, how do we get you to, how do we get you to that entry point of loading without bringing on your pelvic floor symptoms? I gotcha. Okay. Yeah. And then I've read some stuff again and, and I know you'll be able to elaborate on this more about um, kind of regulating how much intra-abdominal pressure we're trying to, to generate yeah. during this, like how, so, so do you talk through like, from a breathing and a bracing standpoint here, how are you coaching that? How are you implementing that? How are you progressing it? Like if it's a lifter, when are they allowed to maybe start to get back to where they are doing things like salving and things like how, how do you go about that progression? Yeah, that's a, that's a little, that's a little question. question. Yeah. <laughs> so how much time do you have today? That's always been something that's been so interesting to me of like making sure that yeah. we're not creating too much intra-abdominal pressure, which could maybe exacerbate some of these other pelvic symptoms that they may be having post yeah. postpartum. But for um, sure. Yeah. That's I just want to know what goes through your mind kind of as you're trying to regulate that kind of thing. Yeah, that's so definitely like I definitely coach proper breathing and bracing, but I feel like I've changed my perspective on that a lot from having my background in powerlifting and not knowing much about the pelvic floor into now where we are, because mm-hmm. I definitely used to brace wrong um, to where I'd be essentially putting like undue pressure on the pelvic floor mm-hmm. with how I was bracing. So, um, I mean, ideally there, you know, for, I'm going to give a plug to ice physio on this because mm-hmm. Um, I've definitely learned a lot from them and um, Christina Previtt and Alexis Morgan and Jess Gindrich and um, Ellison Melrose do an awesome job teaching um, the pregnancy and postpartum mm-hmm. course that they offer. And they talk a lot about this stuff. So I've definitely learned a lot from them. And just that combined with like what I've experimented with, with myself and, and understanding, you know, lifting and all that stuff. Um, but there's definitely a progression of starting with proper breathing and then adding the Valsalva. And then if you're, you know, if you decide you're going to use like a weightlifting belt at some point, like adding that once you learn how to do the Valsalva properly without bearing down your pelvic floor, if that's something that you have a desire to get back to doing, like using the weight belt. So, um, 
ideally we would probably want to start with either free breathing or giving a proper cue of breathing on the concentric, like breathing, exhaling on the concentric portion of a movement and inhaling on the eccentric portion of a movement. That's most often how we start with the breathing cues. Mm -hmm. And then once you're getting that down, learning proper bracing, I'm like, I definitely want somebody to learn how to breathe properly before I try to tack on the bracing, but I'm also not going to have them like go immediately into like a heavy lift. Right. Either. Right. Until you really go right. Through bracing so yeah. the bracing that I use is just a cue for squeezing your abs. And so when, obviously you can't see this here, but like, it's not like I'm trying to cue somebody to crunch down because I think some people would think that by saying squeeze your abs, right. but essentially that's like the brace or you're, you'll hear some people say like, pretend like I'm going to punch you in the stomach. Don't let me do that. Or like, what would happen if you were going to, if, if I was going to punch you in the stomach, like mm -hmm. instinctively, they're usually going to squeeze their abs. Right. Um, but a lot of times in what I used to cue would be, I want you to like, think about your, um, like abdomen is like a balloon and you want to expand the balloon. So I won't give that cue anymore. And I know people do that because like, mm -hmm. if you were to wear a belt, like I've heard people say, I want you to breathe into the Push belt. Into right. The belt, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I don't give that cue because essentially the proper breathing sequence with a pelvic floor contraction is on an inhale, your pelvic floor is going to relax on an mm -hmm. exhale. It's going to contract. So if you think about it, if you're inhaling to breathe into a belt, then your pelvic floor is going to relax. Yeah. And then if you brace on top of that, you're now bracing in a relaxed position, which is not, not ideal. Yeah. yeah. So instead I usually cue the brace of squeeze your abs. And then we're using the breath on top of that. If we're going to actually do a Valsalva, like once we have that, that contraction, then we Valsalva. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah, 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 for sure. No, I get what you're saying. Yeah, it's so, it's so interesting to me because that's just a whole nother variable on board postpartum that is something that's like it's, you know, I've gone through a million different ways of trying to coach and, and, and uh, teach bracing and breathing. But then when you're trying to make sure that you're not causing a further issue of symptoms uh, in somebody who is postpartum that says it's just a whole nother area and realm and that's why a lot of times uh we're like i'll put them on your schedule <laughs> you know uh but you know it is, yeah. it is it is fun to talk about it is so interesting i know this last this case didn't take you down that road from like a true like a lot of pelvic floor dysfunction but i'm sure those were still considerations but, yeah, you were no, making that's definitely this. like something that has to be on board even if they're not complaining about it like the, like you don't know what's going to happen if you get them back into exercise, even if they don't have actual pelvic floor problems, like at the time of you seeing them, like right. who knows if I like were to keep progressing her, if something wouldn't develop, we don't really know that, yeah. but we definitely need to be cognizant of it, knowing that that's something potentially that could happen. Because yeah. if you have somebody that goes from also not being super physically active during pregnancy and then wants to get back to it, right. then you definitely need to monitor to make sure that they're not, you know, having any of that stuff on board in that, you progress them appropriately. Because yeah. another thing would be like proper um, proper core progression, like in terms of core exercise or Quote trunk unquote. exercise, yeah, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. um, because that can that can be. I'm not even going to say that can be done wrong. It could just be done not appropriate for the person at the given point in time that they're at. Because right. obviously, I treat diastasis recti, and like right. that's um, sure. that's something that I've had actually a number of patients come in recently for, mm -hmm. <clears throat> and like we could literally go off on a tangent on that, but <laughs> now maybe we'll make another episode yeah. just on treating that. <laughs> yeah, But I mean, essentially like, you know, they need to find the appropriate progression of, of core exercise for where they are at that point in time with where you're seeing them. And so um, that needs to be done well. Um, even if, you know, if they have pelvic floor symptoms or not, if they right, have right. diastasis, 
or not. Yeah. But definitely if they have diastasis. Yeah. yeah. If you are somebody who is listening to this conversation and you're like, I do not think about any of those things when I am working with my patients, I, I, I have a, a perfect thing for you. And that is actually call Amy. I wish it was 1-800-AMY-SHELTON or something. Oh but, um, you know, I know you've started doing uh, this, baby, think about, I know you started doing some mentoring of clinicians. Um, and, yeah, and so sure. uh, you don't have to even live in our area. Uh, to, to make that happen. I think this is, if you're listening to this conversation and you're thinking like, I do not get to that level like of thought process with a lot of my patients and, and maybe you want to get to that level. Uh, well, I have a, a resource here that you can reach out to. Um, but yeah, I know you're starting to take on some clinicians to, to help mentor. For sure. Yeah. Um, so I, I started um, in online business recently, which is definitely still in the works um, of offering individualized programming, um, remote programming for um, female clients. Um, doesn't have to be anything specific. Like I work with females, yeah, yeah. I work with females of all ages, but that's part of it. And the other side of it is just offering mentoring to cl- any clinician. Doesn't matter if you're a new grad or not. Mm-hmm. Um, just if you want mentoring um, to you know better your orthopedic skills, pelvic floor. Yeah, training, even how yeah, to incorporate sure. that and, um, you know, everything in between, because I've yeah. treated a lot of weird things. Yeah. And you go and you've gone through you've gone through residency, residency you've done yeah. these different things. And yeah. I know a lot of people are, I, you know, I feel blessed to be around great clinicians here. I can ask questions and learn from sure. I know not everybody's in that, that position. So yeah. if you're if you are in a spot where you feel like you don't have the mentorship or the the uh, that that experienced clinician around you that you can can ask questions to and, and learn from and bounce ideas off of. Uh, sometimes you got to seek that out. Mm-hmm. And one way is to find a residency or it's one eight hundred name. I need to hire Josh as my uh, marketing. There director. we go. We need to, we need to get a phone a phone line a hotline and just put that phone next to our front desk and have Kelly and Marlene answer. No, I want you to answer. Yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, no, that's that is awesome, and I think that would be a huge resource because again, like this case that came in. Um, obviously there's the postpartum component of it, but it's also just a complicated case that you're going to see an outpatient. And and if you, if you feel like you're, you know, you were going to get, if that person came into your clinic, if you feel like you would struggle to treat that person, uh, then, you know, the goal is to try to bet to better yourself and find ways. And one way is mentorship. One way, another shameless plug is MedBridge. MedBridge has amazing courses that you can take and it is a renewal year. There are CEUs aplenty available. You're not going to find a better discount than the one that we've got for you check the show notes for that. Um, get those CEU use in before the end of the year. Boom. Shameless plug. Um, yeah. So uh, yeah, Med, MedBridge, but really call. So call Amy. <laughs> yeah, I'll, honestly, I'll give MedBridge a shameless plug for sure. Uh, when I was in residency, we used primarily their courses yeah. to study all the entire time for the OCS. Um, and they have a good, they have a pretty decent OCS prep yeah, course on there too. Um, but I mean, I, I probably took 150 hours of courses on MedBridge and there's a lot to be learned from those. There so. is. It's such a wide range. If there's something that you want to learn, it is probably, there's probably something on there that will touch on that. For um, sure. Uh, so it's definitely a great resource. And, and again, between either, whether it's MedBridge, something else, or like we're talking about mentorship opportunities with, with you, um, you know, we always should be trying to better ourselves. And sometimes mm-hmm. you're not, if you're not in a good situation, work-wise, you got to reach out and find those things. So um, there's some options there, but I know um, if you are in the Columbia area, you also have started a cool little thing that I think uh, hopefully um, women in the Columbia area will take advantage of. And that is our ladies barbell club. And it has been so fun to see um, the, one, the hype around it is people oh, yeah. are just so excited and seeing it and seeing all of these women that are so pumped to go and get strong is awesome. awesome. Um, but also to the, uh, 
the just seeing how the changes that people see over the course of like the eight week block mm-hmm. is incredible. And that we, you've done this before. You just started. Was it, this will be week two of uh, of this current cohort, right? Yeah. 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 So sure. what's what's on the docket for this week? Oh, we know it's bench press. Bench press, yes. International <laughs> chest day every day. <laughs> yeah, every day. Um, yeah, so so can you talk a little bit about kind of like what what is the bar, uh, Barbell Club? Like what yeah. are you doing? How does it work exactly? How often a year are you running it? And, you know, and, and, and really how can people get in on the next round? For sure, yeah. Um, so Barbell Club started, I want to say it's been three years ago now. It's been a while. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, we originally, it was just an idea that I had because I work with so many women that I've taught how to use the barbell because they want to learn how to get strong and want to do it in a safe environment where they're not going to hurt themselves. So it was just, I was just like, why doesn't something like this exist? Mm -hmm. And so we started our, our first cohort and we had, um, ages 20 to 80 in that one, which is very cool because it's cool for people that are younger to see like women that are a lot older in life, be able to still do something like that. Cause that definitely inspires them. Like, Hey, like I should be continuing to do this for the rest of my life. Right. And there's no reason why I can't be strong, like well into older age. Mm -hmm. So, um, it's been cool to have such a variety of ages. Cause on average, we probably over the course of the last, you know, three, four times we've had it, I've had ages probably 20 to 60s yeah. with the exception of our 20 to 80. So mm-hmm. um, it's really primarily geared towards women that have no experience using a barbell right. um, and want to learn how to use it and, you know, how to get strong, how to be comfortable knowing they're not going to get injured. And also just like being confident going into a gym with other people in there and like knowing that I know what I'm doing right? and I'm not going to hurt myself. That's a huge barrier to entry for a lot of people. Huge barrier Mm -hmm. to entry for sure. So um, it's been really cool to work with so many women over the course of the last three years doing that because we have probably averaged somewhere between 15 and 20 people, 20 women. Eight week kind of cohort, right? Yeah. Yeah. So um, we run an eight week cohort and we run it once a week and we go over one specific lift each week. Um, and then, um, really since we've started, we end every, um, eight weeks with our last session as a max deadlift. And that's always Heck yeah. super fun. Oh, it's so many, there's so many PRs and yeah. that's my favorite part is the celebrations. Like oh, especially yeah. people who are not used to like being in the gym, lifting PR oh, yeah. celebrate, like it's all, it's just this pure joy on the look of some of their faces. Oh, it's yeah. just, it is just so it's awesome to cool. see. <laughs> Yeah, I, I will say like so far, just to give a huge plug to Eileen, one of mm-hmm. our um, coaches that's helping us out, um, definitely hit 350 yeah, on her deadlift last cool. time. So that was very cool to see. Like, it's just cool for women to like root on other women and be mm-hmm. like, hey, you know what? I want to be like that. Mm-hmm. I want to be strong. Yeah. Yeah. No, that is it's so it's so cool. Uh, I, I love uh, what you've been able to do there and, and hopefully that that will only continue and grow oh, further. But sure. yeah, if you're interested in more uh, about Barbara, Barbara club and like, and if you're in the area and uh, you want to get in on the next round, um, yeah. we would love to have you, uh, which sure. is a perfect segue into how can people get in touch with you either about Barbara club, about mentorship yeah. questions, anything, how can they get in touch with you? 
Yeah. So, uh, iron lady DPT is one of my Instagrams. Iron lady coach is the coaching Instagram that I have. So that's mm-hmm. obviously an easy one. And that's where we plug barbell club the most yeah, yeah, on yeah. there. Uh, we are going to be doing another cohort probably in January, February, probably yeah. more than like February of 2023. Right, right. Um, and so we'll open that up to 20, uh, roughly 20 women again. Mm-hmm. Um, and <clears throat> we go over every barbell lift. So all the strict barbell movements and then Olympic lifts. So yeah. we do throw a little bit of that in. It's not, it's not anything right. complicated. Like we, there's actually potential talks between an, another coach and I of doing a specific Olympic lifting one, yeah, yeah. but, um, that still wouldn't be till 2023 more right. than likely. But, um, yeah, if you have any interest, definitely, you know, hit me up on Instagram or, um, amy.d at vertexpt.com. Yeah. And also if you reach out through vertex or through the podcast Instagram, we'll get you in touch with her too. But yeah, For Iron sure. Lady DBT, Iron Lady Coach, Iron Lady Everything, the Amy Shelton. Oh my um, it's, he hypes yeah. me up too much. <laughs> no, uh, well, I really appreciate your time on this. It's, it's so when, yeah, knowing that this case and also seeing, you know, firsthand the progress that this, this person has made, uh, she's really over is the so about impressive. It. Yeah. It's, it's so cool. cool. And it's, she's actually yeah. in Barbell Club. So that's there you go. Cool. Yeah. No big deal. Um, yeah. so that's, yeah, it's so, so cool. Um, and, and, uh, uh, we love having obviously your public floor expertise on staff too, but again, this is, this had public floor component, but it also just shows how you really need to be on top of your stuff from, a, from an ortho and a neuro component too. Now patient, you get trying to be ready to treat whatever walks through your door. Yeah. Um, you're not wrong about yeah. that. I've seen all kinds of stuff. Yeah. Uh, yeah. If it's something that's a little bit funky, I'm going to maybe get Amy to help me. Uh, here <laughs> but, uh, so, so again, thank you for your time. If you want to, you know, know more about Barbell Club, be in on the next cohort, like she said, it would start hopefully, uh, sometime early in 2023, or, you're interested in more about what Amy's doing in her coaching, whether it be for, you know, actually writing programs for you or from a mentorship perspective, I highly recommend reaching out to her, uh, to one of those, uh, those Instagrams or through here, we'll get you in touch. But, um, as always guys, we appreciate you listening, uh, tune in next week for another new episode.